today we're going to be talking about the idol of comfort. This is a biggie for me. This is something I very easily fall into and 2020 pointed that out to me loud and clear. Hey, it's Amber L.B. Swenson, wife, mother, worrier, overthinker, type A, holding on to God and his promises to get me through the day. Thanks for joining me to explore everyday issues from a biblical perspective so we can all know and love God more. love routine. I love my schedule. I like to have things a certain way. And you mess that up, you take away my comfort. (laughs) And I do not adjust well to that happening. I found that out really well when my children returned to school after 13 months. So they were home for an entire 13 months. And the week that they returned to school, they were like, Mom, you are so happy. What's up? And I just said, we're back to a schedule and a routine. And this is how I function at top capacity. Like this is my groove. (laughs) I love this. And for 13 months, I have not had this. But it's not just me. Listen, the Israelites were slaves in Egypt. I mean, they were beaten and they were worked really, really hard. And when God brought them out of Egypt in miraculous form, They get into the desert and they complain. They said, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in the land of Egypt. There we sat by pots of meat and ate our fill of bread. But you have brought us into this desert to starve this whole assembly to death. And I think I can kind of get it. I mean, I don't want to be that person. But I think I get it. Uh... They got out in the desert and all they could think about is that food, that really, really good food. Now, let's let's face it, a better option would have been for them to just pray for food. Like, we're really hungry right now, Lord, and you've done so many great things for us, and we remember that, and it hasn't been that long since you parted the Red Sea, and we crossed over in dry ground, and, you know, our enemy is they died in the sea behind us. So we know you can do all kinds of super awesome things. And we remember the Passover when you killed the Egyptian boys, but not our sons. So I'm pretty sure you can provide for me here in the desert. So I'd love a little food. But in truth, I'm more like the Israelites than I want to admit. All too often, I can only concentrate on what I'm missing and only think about the ways my my life isn't as comfortable as I want it to be. Psalm 106 just kind of zeroes in on this. It talks about how God saved the people and destroyed their enemies. And then it says, They soon forgot what he had done and did not wait for his counsel. In the desert, they gave in to their craving. And in the wasteland, they put God to the test. Comfort can be an idol to us. It can keep us from a good, strong relationship with God. If we're seeking the comfort of the world, if we're seeking the things of this world, we are going to be very often opposing God. Now, we're going to talk about this in a couple of ways. First of all, comfort can be an idol when we don't want and we grumble about change. And that's what I'm talking about right now. You know, change is a huge part of life. Let's just look at life. 
life is full of constant change. Now, if you live in Florida and Arizona or Texas, maybe you don't see as much change with the scenery in the seasons. But where I'm living in Minnesota, we have a pretty constant reminder that change is part of life because our seasons are dramatically different. So every three to four months, our weather changes. What we see outside changes. You know, if you have children, you watch them grow. They don't stay the same. They, they go through all these stages and they're constantly changing. Very few of us stay in the same job for, for a lifetime. Usually we start at a place and we are maybe there a couple of years and then move on to another job. And then after a certain amount of time, we move on. We redecorate our houses. We keep up our homes. We do maintenance on our yard. We even look forward to the change in seasons like uh, we look forward to our retirement. We look ahead to change and we see that as good. But at the, on the same token, we resist change, especially when it's not our idea. Have you ever gone through a health crisis of any sort? I remember several years ago now, my dad had a heart attack and um, that was just a huge eye opener for all of us, you know, and, and they, the constant mantra was, listen, exercise, eat better, exercise, eat better. You got to really, you know, get into this healthier lifestyle. Yeah, we don't want to. You know, a lot of times we like the stuff we eat. We don't want to work. We don't want to work out for a half an hour. We don't want to raise that heartbeat, heart rate. We want to just chill out in our chairs. Anytime you have a change like your car breaks down or you get a new computer, you upgrade your cell phone, oh, the upgrade may be great, but the hassle, oh, how many of us even sit in the same pew when we go to church, right? We sit the same place every week. You might even get there early to make sure that you do. But change is an unavoidable part of life. And as we age that, boy, it becomes so apparent, doesn't it? Rather than grumble every time we go through changes, we could just ask God to help us serve well now. Help us to adjust. That's been one of my secrets. Every time there is a major transition, whether it's going into the summer and my kids returning home for the summer or them going back to school or whatever this major change is, if one of our kids starts driving or goes to college or whatever the major change, I am praying, Lord, help us through this transition. I know that I don't necessarily transition well. So I pray and ask God to help me because I want to glorify him. I don't want to grumble and I don't want to get stuck in what was. I don't want to be living my whole life in the good old days. Those were the good old days. No, make today good, right? Don't get stuck back there. But I think a far more serious way that comfort becomes our idol is our insistence that we deserve a certain level of comfort or our desire, especially in America, to live a life of leisure. We could give more money to church. We could support missions. We could give more to that ministry, but let's face it, we like the fine things in life. We could use our hours to serve God, but we like our life of leisure. We could use our talents at church, 
but what's in it for us? I saw this in myself for sure during 2020. It was the first time in a long time that our church kind of shut for a certain amount of time and then a whole bunch of things that we usually do just didn't happen. And I suddenly was working on my house, my yard, my, 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 my. And the more I did that, the less I wanted to do anything else. The more involved I got in redoing my house, redoing my yard. And I get that there are seasons of life. And let's face it, I mean, it was a tremendous blessing that God gave us to actually catch up with some things in our house and in our yard that we hadn't taken the time to do for a long time. So, I mean, it was a huge blessing. But the light bulb finally came on, you know, for me. And I was like, man, I've got to get back to ministry. What actually matters in life? I have a dear, dear friend that I've been doing ministry with for a while. And she had one of her best friends was diagnosed and then within a few months died in 2020 of cancer. And she likes to ask the question, you know, just as conversations come up and we're discussing things, she likes to ask, if you had six months to live, what would really matter? And man, does that put things in perspective? I don't know if you've ever read the autobiography of George Mueller, but it was life-changing for me. By all of our American standards, this guy is totally crazy. I mean, nobody really lives the way George Mueller lived. The man lived totally on faith, and he lived by the principles of the Bible. And I mean, he just depended on God for every single thing to do this amazing and incredible ministry. He actually trained to be a a pastor, and then he noticed that there were orphans all over the streets, and he thought, this is crazy. I have to I have to do something. So he he prayed and he said, you know, God, I I'll open an orphanage, but I need a house. I need some furniture. I need people to work for me. I need food for these orphans. I mean, just a little prayer, right? And God, one by one, just started providing for him. And then George just just lived every single day in God's grace. Like today, I need this. There were times that the orphanage did not have food for lunch. And he would go, he went downstairs and he prayed and thanked the Lord for the food. And there would be a knock on the door and the baker brought bread. He had extra bread. Or one time a milk cart actually broke down right outside the orphanage. And so the orphans were able to um, drink this milk that would otherwise go to waste. It was just amazing the way that God provided. But I want to read just a paragraph from George Mueller's autobiography. He said, Do you make it your primary business and your first great concern to seek the kingdom of God in his righteousness? Are the things of God, the honor of his name, the welfare of his church, the conversion of sinners, and the profit of your own soul your chief aim? Or does your business, your family, or your own temporal concerns primarily occupy your attention? Remember that the worlds will pass away, but the things of God will endure forever. I never knew a child of God who acted according to the above passage for whom the Lord did not fulfill his promise. All these things shall be added unto you. Look at the apostles. 
Peter said to Jesus, we left everything to follow you. In America, we are constantly seeking more. We're seeking more for ourselves. We want more of everything, it seems. C.S. Lewis said, if you want a religion to make you feel really comfortable, I don't recommend Christianity. (laughs) Jesus told that rich young ruler who came to him, he said, listen, go sell your things and then follow me. And the rich young man, he turned away because he didn't want to get rid of his things. But Jesus said, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. When you set out to work in God's kingdom, you don't really work for glory. We work for God's glory, not for him. But you don't get rich teaching Sunday school or singing in the choir. And you don't become prominent by opening up your home to the least of these. In fact, you probably invite hardship. But we're doing it for a greater good. We're doing it to bring people to God's eternal kingdom. Whatever earthly troubles we maybe invite for the sake of God and his kingdom, they pale significantly to what we have waiting for us in heaven. When it came to this passage, as a matter of fact, the People's Bible, Book of Matthew, had this to say, Dear Christian, If your primary concern is to save this life, to get the most out of this life in pleasure and satisfaction and enjoyment, you will end up losing everything. But if you lose your life for Jesus' sake, if you dedicate all to him, follow his guidance, and obey his instructions implicitly, you will live a meaningful and God-pleasing life in this world and enjoy all the blessings of everlasting life in heaven. I subscribe. I get the free Voice of the Martyrs newsletter, and it tells me what's happening with Christians who are being persecuted all over the globe. And one month, an article came, and the headline was, It's better to lose my life than waste it. I think I am prone to wasting a lot of time. I can scroll through social media like nobody's business. I can hang out on Netflix. I can do all kinds of things to waste all kinds of life and time in just being comfortable, in just being lazy. And I think we have to ask ourselves if we want to be rooted in the world Or if we want to firmly establish ourselves in God and his plan for our life, whatever that might be, this is what I know. This world isn't it. It's not the end-all, be-all. So what should we do? I think it comes down to staying vigilant because I think one of Satan's chief aims is to to make us think that this is it. Like we better work really hard to be comfortable here because this is it. We only live one life. So we really, really need to just hang out here. And he doesn't want us to be vigilant in prayer or tell that person about Jesus or to make that a priority because he wants us to keep putting it off. He wants us to put off our prayer life. He wants us to put off talking to people about God. 
And day by day, Satan can totally tempt us to slip into this just living for our enjoyment and our pleasure and to even just entertain ourselves, you know, to pass our time rather than working in God's kingdom. And I think the caution for us is to stay the course because heaven will be very comfortable. (laughs) It'll be more comfortable than anything we've ever experienced here. And it will be worth all the discomfort that we put through, that we're put through and that we go through here. But we want to spend our days in a meaningful way. We want to spend our time, whatever time we have, helping others stay close to the Lord and bringing others to know the Lord. Because once they die, it's over for them. There's there's not a chance to go back. So we don't want to get sucked into this idea of just living this comfortable life and and doing what we want for our enjoyment and our pleasure and to pass our days. We want to stay the course and keep working in God's kingdom. Look at the way Jesus did it. He did it so perfectly. Of course, we'll never do it perfectly like Jesus, but he's a great example. He was tired. He kept pressing on. He was opposed. He moved to a different place. You know, when things got tough, he didn't give up even when everybody quit following him because he wasn't seeking glory on this earth. He was out to fulfill what God had sent him to do. And when he did it, then he returned to heaven. And then he enjoyed the riches and the glories of heaven. But while on this earth, he just kept trudging on. And that's what we need to do too. We don't want to get sucked into this idolatry of comfort. So I'm just going to challenge you to look at your life. Are you making Bible study and reading the Bible a priority? Are you making prayer a priority? And those two things right there, if you answer to no no to either one of those or to both of them, don't go any further. Then just say, okay, how can I get into the word this week? How can I pray? Can I just add, you know, a a little alarm on my phone that reminds me to pray during my lunch hour? Just stop and and pick two or three people to pray for. The other day, I was taking my daughter to work, and she was saying that she had a hard time falling asleep the night before. And I said, oh, I never have a hard time falling asleep because I always pray the last thing. I read my Bible, and I pray, and I said, I have this huge list of people to pray for. And I started telling her, you know, the different people in our family and the different circumstances. And then I said, if I get through that, then I start praying for my pastor and praying for the people at church. And if I get through that, then I start praying for the persecuted Christians. And I start praying for other ministries worldwide. And I said, if I get through that, then I'm praying for our governments. And and I said, I never, ever get through my prayer list before falling asleep because there's no end to what I could pray for. And so, you know, just start. Just start praying. And um, just start reading in the Bible. And if you're doing those things, see if there's a way that you can bring other people into Bible study. Start a Bible study just with a few friends in your area um, or in your church or do something to encourage other people and maybe to bring someone from the neighborhood or, or a work friend to know the Lord or, 
or see how you can work in your church or in your community to really influence others to get to know Jesus. Um, Just don't forget that this isn't what we're living for. We're not living for the here and now. We are living for an eternity with God in heaven. And, And in the meantime, God has gifted us with each day. And we want to use those to work in his kingdom for his glory. This has been Little Things, because in God's kingdom, the little things are the big things. Thank you for your prayers. They really keep us going here at Time of Grace as we continue to share the good news about Jesus.